Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. I hope you had a good Christmas break. If you celebrate Christmas with your family, I hope you did that and enjoyed it. And if you didn't, I hope you did enjoy whatever it is that you ended up doing. Uh, coming up to New Year's, which is exciting. Uh, if you, I've been making, you know, to-do lists. I always make between Christmas and my birthday, which is the 7th of January, I tend to make lists of things that I've done and haven't done and would like to do and would like not to do, uh, which is, I don't know, useful, helpful, a way to pass the time. This week's episode is with comedian Ed Byrne, who I'm a big fan of. He's a fantastic comedian and a very nice person, and he agreed to sit down with me in his office and talk about difficult ideas. I really enjoyed this conversation. I was uh, a little bit wary about uh, imposing on him because he was doing me a favour. Obviously, he's a relatively high-profile act doing me a favour. So I kept sort of saying, oh, you know, thank you very much. That's fantastic because he'd given me his time and he kept thinking of new things to talk about, which made me very happy and I really enjoyed that. So I hope you enjoy listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, Thank you, everybody, who's been contributing to the Patreon. I've got a couple of new subscribers, which is fantastic. If you want to read my blogs on Patreon, patreon.com slash Alice Fraser, the majority of them are free. Some of them are for subscribers only, but they are only the dollar a month. I, I haven't made anything more expensive than a dollar a month because I figure... If you can't afford a dollar a month, uh, you need my help more than I need yours. And if you really do need help, let me know. AliceRFraser at gmail.com is the place to email me. I got a really nice email the other day from somebody who saw my show Savage in Edinburgh two years ago and said she completely changed her career path and life choices and is now enrolled in a course in the subject that's the subject that she actually wants to do. And she... She gave me the credit or gave that show the credit or her watching that show at that vulnerable time in her life the credit for changing her path, which I have to say is an incredible thing to read. I don't know how true that is or how much you know I catalyzed something that was already on its way to happening, but it made me feel really bloody good. So email me, alicerfraser at gmail.com if you want to say hi, if you have a favor that you need to ask or if you want to tell me something nice, any of those options are available to you. If you listen but can't subscribe, if you leave a five-star review on iTunes, it does help with things. And if you tell friends who you think would like this show, that's also a massive thing. Otherwise, keep listening. I That's really enough, more than enough. I really appreciate it. It's fantastic to have you guys and know that you're on the other end of this microphone. I will stop blithering. 2016 has been a year. It's been a big year. I've achieved a lot of things. I've failed at a lot of things. I'm proud of both of those things. I think I might do a little year wrap-up sometime around my birthday next week and and talk about the things that I wanted to get done in the last year and the things that I did and did not manage. Um, But I'll leave that for now because I've been talking for three and a half minutes now and that is plenty. You're having tea with Alice. I hope you enjoy listening to me talking with Ed Byrne. I assume you know how to hold a microphone. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. Uh, I should, I should, have, should I have made tea? That's all right. I already had tea. Okay. If you would like tea, we can get some tea. I don't drink tea. 
Why do you not feel it? Here we go. Oh, gee, I've never really liked it. I feel that we've. This is good. We've started off on very firm footing, where it's something I have a, a consistent and strong opinion. What about it? Don't you like the taste? That's all it needs to be. It doesn't. I don't. I can't think of anything way to make it nicer. Adding milk or sugar or whatever it is to do it just does nothing works. So is it just black tea that you don't like? Tea, you know, I don't like black tea. I don't like tea with milk. I just, I, I'm, I've resigned myself to not liking the flavor of tea. That's an unusual. I will occasionally drink an iced tea. Okay, so it's not, it's not tea. I'm not ideologically opposed to tea. Okay, so it's, uh, I mean there's sort of an infinite plethora of different kinds of tea that are available yeah. to you. Yeah, I know you've got your tea. green teas and your fruit teas and stuff like that. Your infusions. I think, yeah, I I would go so far as to say, and now we're getting onto dangerous ground already, <laughs> that they're not really tea. Okay. You can call them tea, but unless they're made from you know tea leaves, w- tea leaves. You're you're I mean, you're just eating you're just drinking a a, a weak juice. And you've got green tea, which is sort of a, a lesser processed tea, but is in fact tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree to disagree. Agree <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it's, it's tea leaf at all? juice? It's leaf juice. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not gonna call it tea. Fair enough. Have you <laughs> been Have you been wrestling with anything in the? Um, I don't know. I I think late of of late, I I've been. Uh, Trying to decide between that thing of uh, of taking, you know, sort of public trolls to task, uh, and and helping publicise them. I think that's an issue. Oh uh, yeah. Difficulty with at the moment. It's a really. I've been d- I've been doing work for a, a show in Australia recently, and I've come up against this of dealing with just the number of people who will say horrendous things. Yeah. And whether you should respond to them politely. Or whether you should not respond to them at all, or yeah. whether you should sort of try to shame them somehow or punish them. Yeah, this is the weird thing. I, it's, it's more and more now the the concept of people just saying things to be outrageous, is getting worse and worse. I remember, you know, starting out and friends having jokes about people like Jeremy Beadle, like he was the sort of, you know, figure. That people would, you know, write jokes about because he was annoying because he would do, you know, stunts where he would, you know, d- be, you know, tricking members of the public, and he was just a slightly irritating TV figure, and he would he would be a a great focus of 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 bile and 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 hate, you know, amongst comedians. You know, when it's, oh. I remember Adam Bloom doing a joke about him, and I remember Bob Dillinger doing a song about him, and all this kind of thing. Because he was just that, that, or or Noel Edmonds, because the house party was bit, or Mr. Blobby, because he was an irritating character. Those are the people that you would make jokes about. And now the people that you would slag off publicly are are are, are horrible. The people who are famous for being irritating are 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 just awesome in comparison now to the people who are famous for being terrible. Yeah, there's a different scale. Of yeah, and they thrive. Villain. Yeah, and they thrive on being vilified. But it's you. You also wonder how you how we've come to a place where where people are prepared to vote for somebody like Donald Trump and Nigel Farage. Is it because we've now gone so long? We've gone bas- virtually a generation. You know, we must have gone fifteen, twenty years now of just letting awful people say awful things and making them famous for it. See, I think it's it's even worse than that. It's like 
it's a direct consequence of capitalism in that, you know, if you have a 24-hour news cycle, you need constant opinions. And there's no point in having sensible people making sensible opinions. You need to have the kind of opinions that are going to cause good television, which means you have to have somebody saying something outrageous, which means people make a whole career and money out of just saying worse and worse and worse and worse things. And then some idiot at home listening on the radio goes, oh, she speaks sense. Yeah. The person in my head there was Katie Hopkins. but Yeah, but uh, there's even this, the, 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 the talking sense thing, a lot of it's not sense. It's not if it's not, I'm not just saying it's because of having a differi- differing political opinion. I appreciate if people, you know, don't like people on the dole spending their money on cigarettes. I understand. And it's not something I wholeheartedly endorse. I understand where that comes from. But this sort of like, oh, God, am I supposed to be sad because Carrie Fisher died? No, you can just say nothing. Yeah. You know, that kind of... Uh, Except that other people are sad and leave it be. Yeah. I don't... Um, I just... I just... I'm sure, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I'm sure there was a time where if you said something really horrible, it, it ended your career. You know? Yes. Where people ha- didn't have the the taste for the terrible things you came out with. It, you, 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 you lost your job on the radio. They didn't go, oh, this person's awful. We must get them on, <laughs> which is seems to be the well, way it's it's not even just saying swung. terrible things. You have people like Mike. I can't believe that Mike Tyson has a career. Yeah. I, I mean, the only thing I would say with him is that he served, he his, served time. his time. I'm, that's the only thing but I could say in I his defense. I, d- I know it's not he necessarily. He did serve his time, but equally I think that there should be sort of an ongoing element of like, Maybe it's because I think in America you have first and second class citizens and probably third class citizens as well. And these kind of first class citizens are the celebrities. And I think if you commit a crime of that magnitude, one of the whatever three great crimes yeah. against humanity that then your celebrity that status needs to then you just go. get like you get to live in society again, but you don't right. get to be a star. Like I, yeah. I, I feel like there should be maybe more of it. But to do that, you'd need an, anno- an acknowledgement that we do treat people. Yeah. Unequally, considering the way sometimes your career can 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 go, if there's just a whiff, of yeah. if there's just suspicion, almost worse than yeah. if there's a big, because scandal. if there's just a suspicion but there isn't enough to to, to bring a case against you, th- then you never even get to prove your innocence. Yes, then everyone just feels yeah. a bit squeegee about you and yeah. oh, I don't know, there was that thing that yeah, there's an actor presenter called Matthew Kelly here who was on a TV show called Game for a Laugh, and he was well, and then he was hosting a thing called Stars in Their Eyes. He was a big TV star, and it was around the time that Michael Jackson paid off some kids and stuff like that, and he was a bit camp. I'm not even sure if he's gay. He's camp, and uh, some and just a, a big figure in light entertainment, and somebody thought it was, he was ripe for blackmail, and so you know, there was an accusation, a baseless accusation made, and then while it was made, they were, then they were filming a children's version of Stars in the Rise, so ITV got somebody, got Cat Dealey to do it instead, which uh. then also made it look even more like he was guilty. And the guy never did a thing. Terrible. And, you know, he does plays now. Uh. You know what I mean? And he's just a nice guy who was just a victim of suspicion that was not, you know, when the, when, when the pedo finder general was, was, was on the loose. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'm... But yeah, if you've been found guilty of of a heinous crime, it is it is surprising then that you're 
yeah, that people's careers seem to be able to survive. Get, but not d- not d- not only do you continue to get a career like it's fine if you're a bricklayer and then you go to jail for rape and then you get free and then you continue to allow to make Lay bricks. bricks. But like if your job is like literally part of his job is being people's hero, like that's part of the job description is being inspirational and being a hero. And he gives you know he gives self help talks. There's a chapter in his book called "Don't say, Don't Let Life Say No to You." Like there is, right. <laughs> like, yeah. you. D- I don't think you should be allowed. No, but th- again, but that is amazing. The 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 uh, re- resilience people can have and the determination people have to continue to like somebody even after they've been awful. Like, you look at the abuse Frankie Boyle got for slagging off Chris Brown for hitting Rihanna. You know, yeah. you'd think that would be a fair enough. You'd think that would just be like people would have to go, well, he did hit her. So whatever Frankie Boy wants to say about him is fair game. But no, Team Breezy were still, fuck you, I don't even know who you are, Scottish asshole. You know, <sighs> and it's like, he's making jokes about a guy beating a girl, you know, and he's, yeah. he's on the side of the person um, who got beaten, you know. Uh, people who are, yeah, people will blindly defend. That bitch had it coming. People will blindly defend People they like. Yeah. And, and then, I, <laughs> I guess sometimes somebody like me, I'm like, geez, and I can't do an advert for a telephone shop without people fucking hating me for it. <laughs> did, people, did you do an ad for a telephone I shop? I did that. I mean, I'll do ads occasionally and people will get like, oh, I used to like you, you, you know, you're a sellout. Then you sold out to Big Phone. Uh, I know. And you go, well, you're Is fair it a product that you could like, stand behind? I don't care. It's where I bought my phone. I don't mind telling other people to buy their phones there. But, yeah, it's it's like, it is funny. And, and you know, the social media is, is the great amplifier of it. But just how angry people can get about things now is incredible. Well, people can get so angry at you for slagging somebody off for doing something terrible, and people can get really angry at you for doing something that's not terrible at all. Well, the problem is that people don't really know how much power that anger has or doesn't have. Like, there was recently, in, in Australia, actually, Chris Brown is a good example. There was a guy called oh, Julian someone who used to choke women, and he was one of those pickup oh, artists. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, hang on. What's his name? Um... Yeah, the Le, LeBlanc or Le whatever. Pickup artist, yeah. Julien yeah. LeBlanc, I think, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. And yeah. so they, a bu- bunch of sort of feminist activists got together to have him, have his re- visa revoked yes. in Australia. In Australia, yes. No, and I saw, um, oh, the show uh, Feminazi. What was her name again? She did Kirstie a one-woman Mack. show about it. Kirsty Mack. I went and see that in, in Edinburgh. Yeah, it was really good. Yes. Uh, but this, I, I, I don't really agree with that. I with mean, the idea of shutting him down. With the idea of shutting him down, because then the next thing that happened was Chris Brown was going to come to Australia, and then they decided to do a similar thing to keep him out because mm. he was sort of, you know, the, the idea was that buying tickets to him was somehow supporting what he'd done. Mm-hmm. But then this sort of other side of the identity politics bandwagon came in and said, well, it's racist to shut him out for hitting his girlfriend when heaps of people hit their girlfriends and we don't keep them out of the country. Uh, etc. Yeah. So it sort of suddenly became loaded. But the point is that y- that's it, right? If you assume that because you're outraged about something, you can shut someone out of the country, you're going to have to assume that you're always going to be right, that you're always going to be fair, that you're never going to be missing something. Yeah. The thing is, um, freedom of speech is, a, is always a tricky one. And freedom of speech, I think, is not an absolute. No. Free expression. There's already many, many laws and restrictions of free speech that we accept. 
And I think it's one of those things that just because it's enshrined in the American Constitution, people all over the world seem to think that they're entitled to that it. It's more, that, and, and that it's more important than it is. I know it seems weird coming from somebody who, who, who you know, who talks for a living and for whom freedom of expression is is an important thing, but it isn't an absolute. If you encourage somebody to commit a crime, for instance, that's illegal. You know, if if all you do is say to somebody, "Here's some money, kill that guy," that's a crime. All you've done is give somebody money and say some words. Yeah. But yes, you're committing a crime. That it's not. A, a violation of somebody's free speech to put them in prison for conspiracy to commit murder. Yeah, you know it's not, and and the same thing for incitement to racial hatred, and anything anything that encourages somebody else to commit a crime, is in itself a crime. So if you're doing talks where you're telling people to choke women against their will or move their hand onto your crotch against their will, that's a crime. Yeah, and it's just because people didn't realize that that's what he did. You know, and just thought, oh, he's just a pickup artist. He just teaches, you know, losers how to get chicks. Then they, then they, that's why they let him in in the first place. But as soon as it was pointed out what he did, they revoked it. You know, yeah. I think that's fair enough. It's an interesting thing when it comes to edginess that I always find very, very curious. And it goes back again to people like, you know, Hopkins and that. Is this thing of again? It's this clinging to freedom of speech, and people are always surprised with comedians such as myself. You know feels that there should be limits is that the reason if there were no limits to what one could say if there was no outrage if nobody ever complained about what Frankie Boyle said if nobody ever complained about what Ricky Gervais said if nobody ever complained about these things if there were no rules if there was this idea that some people you know uh, um, you know some notion that people come out with which is that there should be no rules and the stage should be a, a safe and sacred place where you can say whatever you like if that was the case then there would be no such thing as an edgy comic yes the reason edge exists the reason why somebody will like michael mcintyre and somebody else will prefer doug stanhope is because of the the existence of an edge. it is because there are rules it is because there is a line which yeah, is blurred like depending on your opinion that that these comedians and who you are, are depends on where the edge is. Yeah, and so you'll go and see one comic, and you go, "Oh, that's too far," and fine. The existence of your outrage is is where th- is what makes you then as a comedian interesting. The fact that there is a debate over whether Louis C.K. can use the N word, you know, if there were no rules, then technically no comedian would have any edge. Yeah, and so that would be not. I mean, or I mean. Even on a smaller scale, it, things are funny because they're like slightly unsayable. Offensive. Yeah, it's well, it's always yeah, it's always been. You know, he's he's saying what we're afraid to say out loud, and it, if it goes back to just talking about taking a shit, you know, that you know, the, in the seventies, that probably would have been seen as. Oh, my goodness me, he's discussing the lavatory on in public. Well, I saw you I know. saw a farce, a French farce, a couple of weeks ago, and. They made the terrible mistake of slightly rewriting it. So all of the double entendres, they had all of the like, ooh, you know, he's going to ride her horse, blah, blah, blah. But then they also had them saying that they were going to (laughs) fuck. Right. So it completely, you completely lost, like in the real world that we all live in, you're allowed to say, I would like to bang that woman. In that world, which you were sort of supposed to be immersing yourself with. And like 70% of the humor of that piece is them not saying that they're going to bang. Yeah. So they broke the rules that they made the, the rest of it work. So they 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 the the original piece had this edged mm-hmm. and they just went, Well, 
fuck that off, and yeah. it just made it not a very good play. But it, and it's 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 always just been the the line of where you can say what you can. I mean, like the classic thing would be you know to have a rhyme so that you expect the the next word because it rhymes with hunt to be, but then you change it to Blunt. something else, yes, and or something that doesn't rhyme with it to emphasize the fact that you're not so. So that thing of. And then you don't say the word you expected, then you say yeah. the word you expected in another context slightly later, and it's hilarious. So the, the sort of, the the act of censorship and and the working your way around it, that has always been a way that humour has worked. And, yeah, I think the idea, as I say, of, of, of there being limits to what to what is acceptable is, that is the, the very point where a lot of humour lies. I like uh, comedians that, even though I'm not particularly controversial myself, I really enjoy people like, you know, Stan Hope and Louis C.K. and, and Glenn Wall and stuff like that. And I like people who say what they, what they want to say, and it doesn't matter that they shock. I think when it's when but when people, when their own the only point is to shock, then that is putting the cart before the horse. Yes. You know, that's that's a, you're assembling a joke from the wrong direction. As far as I'm concerned, mm. I like I like setting my own world in a show mm. like I like setting the terms of the world that I'm in because then you have these kind of boundaries that you mm. can play with and you're not limited by you know what the person who walked into the room with necessarily yeah. they kind of come in on your terms but that's sort of that's a different game right uh, yeah I don't know I don't know if people should be this freedom of speech thing I believe I believe when it comes to public speech that's a different thing like I think you should be allowed to say, you should be allowed to speak freely and have opinions. But there's a difference between that and giving someone a fucking radio show. Yeah, but but also, because it's another one. I mean, there was a, Andrew Lawrence was the classic one, you know, where he did this whole online rant complaining about people slagging off UKIP and a load of comedians slagged them off for it. That was, he exercised his freedom of speech and people responded by exercising theirs. It's this thing of somehow saying to somebody... I'm offended by what you said, is somehow violating their freedom of speech. Yes. It's not. It's, you're exercising your own. You're responding. You're arguing with what somebody said. There's an interesting argument in copyright law about what's called a freezing effect, which is something that, that trolling has a big effect on. Or you know, or people don't want to express their opinion. Because yeah, if, they're, they're, yeah. If, you, if you get attacked. But that, again, is not limited. It's not limiting your freedom of speech legally. It's just a social norm that's being exercised. If you say something and then a bunch mm. of people pile onto pile on you, it, yeah. that is just society doing what society's always done and you're lucky they haven't got a rope. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, online trolling is in itself, yes. They're the very ones, because if they get booted off Twitter for being abusive too much, then they cry freedom of speech when really what they were doing was using their free speech to try and silence somebody else's opinion. So it's 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 a it's an ever inward facing spiral. It just they're, keeps. They're starting to talk about <coughs> holding platforms accountable now, um, because of the problem of accountability is that it's not just one troll and the one thing that that one troll said. You can't really arrest somebody. I mean, you can har arrest someone for harassment using a telecommunications device. It is illegal mm. if you're using threatening language or whatever. But um, they're talking about holding, you know, Facebook and Twitter accountable for things like breaches of copyright law that happen on their platforms or abuse that happens on their platforms because it's so hard to regulate on an individual level. But they think yeah. that if they make the companies accountable, then the companies will regulate it. Yeah, it's well, it's a, yeah, I don't, I don't know wh how, wh how to respond to that either. It does seem 
unfair to expect Twitter to have to do it. But, I mean, who else is supposed to? Because then you, you, you go back to the one of the guy, you know, the, the Twitter joke trial because the guy said he was going to blow up Robin Hood Airport because he's trying to fly to Belfast to meet his girlfriend, you know. Mm. And he, you know, he almost lost his job. He did lose his job for a while, you know. Uh, and uh, he had to go to court over what was clearly a, a joke. And then the same people who protested that are, are saying, you know, that Milo Yiannopoulos should be in jail for inciting racial hatred, you know, for saying things that he clearly doesn't mean either. No. So it's a, it's, yes, it's a, uh, it's a thorny one. But I, uh, I don't know about fining Twitter. It doesn't seem for for the for the actions of an individual using it. The criminal actions perpetrated yeah. on their platform. You couldn't you couldn't you wouldn't find BT because somebody made but a threatening I mean, phone this is call. Kind of what they're starting to talk about is making platforms and servers accountable. I mean, they're already sort of doing it with copyright law, which is why they're cracking down on it. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The whole copyright thing is is uh, is a whole other issue, isn't it? Where it's it just feels like the law is just far behind the so far tastes behind. and uh, the whole concept of a meme is, is very uh, it's just developed so quickly and that the, the old rules don't seem to apply in the same way. Yeah, I, d- I did a, a copyright symposium about that exactly that thing of this idea of what constitutes original thought is no longer what used to, I mean mm. nowadays taking someone else's picture and putting another joke on that picture is not considered the theft of the picture, which yeah. is what it would have originally yes, exactly. been. But if you took somebody else's joke, even if you put it on a different picture, that would be considered yeah. theft. But it's yes. there's no no one's started writing down these rules yet, mm-hmm. which is we're in a super fascinating time for copyright law. Mm. Sorry. It's a it's a very curious time for, for comedy, certainly. Because there's also that thing of with music now it's more and more you don't get paid for people unless you're Adele, unless you're people, you, someone who who sells CDs, you know, whose whose target market is maybe people who 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 don't know what Spotify is, <laughs> you know, then you can make a lot of money. But it's increasingly the musicians are basically giving away their music for free in the hope that people will then pay to go and see them live. That is essentially it. Yes, and, and people worrying. are staying in watching Netflix as well more. Hmm fewer people are coming out to watch anything live mm. and the only way you can sell music now i think is you sell it before it's been made by doing a kickstarter if you you know you say i'll we'll make an album if you promise to buy it and then people give you the 20 dollars, and then you make the album mm. so they can't steal it like that's really the only mm. business model that's still working yeah i guess certainly with sorry that's my radiator which i did bleed but it doesn't it's determined to sound like there's a dolphin inside it. Maybe there's a dolphin <laughs> inside it. Have you thought about <laughs> the most obvious answer? <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with that at all. Anyway, where were we? Very yeah, but with comedy, you know, you can't listen to the same joke more than two or three times before you don't want to hear it again. So that thing of, you know, releasing your comedy and not getting paid for it to get people to come and see you live means your pace of writing has to be insane or you have to become sort of reclusive. Yeah, I don't put a lot up online. Uh, Also because I don't think it translates very well. Mm. The experience of being in the room is sort of a hypnosis act as much as anything else. Yeah, 
I used to think that the the, the net was going to kill all the one-liner comics, particularly because you can tweet their jokes and they get you know get it passed around much quicker. But in it's actually, I think it's been quite good because now this thing of any joke that can be shared very quickly can publicize somebody very well. And now you get this thing of which has only just happened in the last few years of you know award for best joke at the fringe, you know. And, the funniest routine, you most you've laughed at somebody is always, I find, certainly, it's a big, long routine that, that yeah, builds and builds Yeah, it's a and story and, and an experience yeah. and you're invested yeah. in it. And That's your favourite bit. Nobody ever comes away and it's just like one joke that was their favourite thing. But you can't have a best entire long involved routine because then you can't print the answer and the, the uh, winner in a newspaper i think you should get my brother's wife to describe comedy shows mm. um after she's seen them i think that should be the prize of her describing your comedy show because she's she's very easily entertained <laughs> <laughs> but also completely incoherent about what she exactly enjoyed about a thing and then he said this <laughs> yeah. and then there was it's a whole like, thing about well you've got two sons it's like mm. watching them explain a movie i imagine right. but she's a grown-up woman six foot tall <laughs> plays indoor netball for great britain yes i remember a woman in a bar telling me the, an old joke and i stopped her like i went it was the one about the you know it's like a mr and mrs radio phone in thing of you know where's the most exotic place you ever made love I started with, hang on, is the punchline to this bit in the arse? And she goes, no. <laughs> okay, then, carry on. And she did the whole thing, and the punchline was up the arse. I'm like, oh, that's the, that's the, the one. And she was like, like, oh, you're such a spoil sport. Oh, oh, I hate telling jokes to comedians. I go, well, I heard it. <laughs> and I stopped you to tell you that I'd heard it. And you just continued. To be fair, you don't like it when hecklers jump on your punchlines. But they're they're my jokes. <laughs> this wasn't her joke. I don't know. What it was. I told her, and I hadn't paid to go and see her. <laughs> you know, it wasn't ruining it for anyone else. It was only me she was telling it to, and I had heard the joke. And it's long. It's, it's a, a long, long joke. ass joke. It's true. And she started telling. I go. I think I've heard this one, and I suggested that I'd heard it, and she was she not having it. Going. I'm telling you this fucking joke anyway. That's yeah. And then I'm going to get angry at you for not laughing at a joke you told me halfway through that you'd already heard. I I I have a thing with taxi drivers or whatever when they say, "Oh, let me tell you a joke." And I'll just say, "Oh, no, I can't legal reasons." <laughs> <laughs> like I can't hear other people's jokes. <laughs> like cuz I think JK Rowling does that with people who try to hand her manuscripts. Right. She can't touch them because in case she ever then has an idea later yeah. and they they sue her for it cuz it was too so like I something just in there. I pretend that that's how I <laughs> am with jokes. It's quite effective. Well, I remember getting in a cab very early on from a gig and uh, with another comedian, Andre Vincent, and the cab driver asked us what we did. And Andre just touching me, knowing I was probably going to say that we were comedians, just going, we're actors. We're in a thing. We're in a play. And he just looked at me and went, seriously, you don't. It's just not worth it. You don't want to tell anyone you're a comedian. So, I mean, I... Or a lawyer. When I used to say I was a lawyer, there is a number of taxi drivers who have serious legal issues that they immediately want you to solve. <laughs> and then, you know, and then they'll go around the block and talk to you about their ex-wife who they're not allowed to see anymore and, like, how can they get the restraining order taken away? Mm. That's a really good conversation. <laughs> yeah, I guess copyright law, you can just go, that's not my field. Restraining yeah. orders. Unless somebody else wrote the restraining order and somebody photocopied it, maybe <laughs> that, uh, then I might get involved. Yeah, but people, I don't think people have much of a sense of what 
what lawyers do. I mean, that the fact that there are lots of different ones. In the same way as there's a lot of different comedians. Does it ever bother you that lawyers are one of those professions that people hate and do jokes about, you know? No, no because I don't... I, I, I have very uh, relatively loose identities. I don't think of myself as a lawyer or, a, you know, I, t I try to avoid defining myself by my role, which means that I can just be like, oh, yeah, them lawyers. I never really understood lawyers. Because they were very, very popular in the 70s and 80s, particularly, I seem to remember. As a target of jokes. Yeah, and as a kid, I remember, you know, and it was all that, you know, what do you call it when a, a bus half full of lawyers goes off a cliff? Yeah, shame, and it wasn't full, and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's just like, and really kind of interchangeable. It could be any figure of hate, but it was always lawyers. And, like, the only lawyers I knew were on TV were, like, Petricelli and Perry Mason. Aren't lawyers the good guys? I never understood the, the concept of the lawyer joke until until I was much older and they and they kind of stopped telling them, you know? Yeah, and then you then you wished they had kept telling them? No, well, I just, I, I kind of, it wasn't until much later that I got it, that, you know, that you kind of, that thing of lawyers being the layer of, bureaucracy between you and justice or whatever it is and that you have to just give them all your money even if you haven't done it wrong all that, that, that i could understand the notion of of, of of them being a target but i i never got it well, when I, mean I, was the, I mean the problem for me with the, that kind of joke was always just that lawyers for the most part particularly junior lawyers are so miserable <laughs> like even partners aren't very happy you get the occasional sort of slightly Aspie person who's just obsessed with the law, really yeah. invested in it. You get a few sociopathic sharks who just love the game, and everyone else is really sad. Mm. Like, I just don't kick them while they're down. They really are down, <laughs> even if they have lots of money. I tried a couple of times with that show, Suits. Oh, uh, yes. And I just couldn't get into it because the characters were all so unlikable. And they're supposed to be likable you know you're, they're supposed to be you're supposed to at least have a grudging respect uh, for yes. the slick the charming and hard-nosed sort of. way that they do business i get it i get it done sort of attitude you know and i was like no i i find you unlikable <laughs> i can't it's 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 a an unpleasant sort of job i think for the most part you're you're not dealing with people you're you're there's always going to be someone miserable or else you're doing corporations work where you're working really hard and sacrificing your comfort and other people's comfort and the comfort of all of your employees for some imaginary number on a sheet somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's not very satisfying. Mm. Or you can work in, you know, legal aid and make no money and be unable to give proper attention to anyone who deserves it. Mm. And then you feel like you're letting down all the poor people. I'm finding it lately harder to watch TV shows because the, the vogue for main characters that are unlikable has become a bit too um Could we just have a hero? Yeah. I think I, I'm starting to feel that way. Because I, th I think the, 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 the shows that started it were great. Like, I loved The Sopranos. I loved The Shield. Mm -mm -mm. And I thought Breaking Bad was incredible. But Breaking Bad was great because it had, like, a good guy turn bad. But this... Lately, I'm just watching ones and I'm just like, I don't know if you watched Hand of God, which was just... Uh, if you ask me if I've watched almost anything, I'll say no. I'm not really yeah, good at sure. watching no, I'm things. You just, I'm just, lately, I'm just seeing a lot of m lead characters that I'm just like, oh, you're, you're just awful. 
I'm not I can't root I can't find a reason to root for you. Yeah, and and that's the thing there are actually good people in the world. Like you can forget that if you're seeing too many trolls and everything. But mm. there are some nice people who just do nice things. Like yeah. there really are. And I mean, it's not that there are uh, everyone anyone is unflawed. Like you can do a flawed character who's also a good person. Mm. I think it's it's part of just the the problem of the the first couple of episodes of a TV show. Anyway, is you've got to get everything about the character on paper, yeah, you know, done. You're, that's it's it's part of the commissioning process. Is that in the in the first episode you need to virtually know everything about the person and what their character flaws are and what their conflict is and all that kind of stuff. And it makes the first episode of something hard work because it there's it, always going to be there's so much exposition has to go on. You know, in order to grab you, it, it makes it, yeah, it makes it really quite difficult, particularly with network shows. Some of the more long form, some like AMC and stuff like that, they're they're allowed, the writers are given a bit more leeway to take their time on revealing the layers of a character. But there's some of all right, so this guy's having an affair and he's a drug addict and he's bipolar and he, you know, and it's like, geez, this is a lot to take in, you know. And in the deep uh, yeah, and when you learn every fault about somebody in the space of 20 minutes, it makes it feel like you've given somebody too many faults, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of the person at the bar who's telling you about their relationship problems when you've only known them for five minutes. You're yeah. Like, Whoa, lady, calm down. Yeah. And then when they refer to their sister as sister, just so we can get that. That's just, Nobody says that. Yeah. Nobody greets their brother or sister and goes, ah, hello, sis. Nobody <laughs> says that. Only People only say that in the opening episode of a TV show. So we go, ah. Ah, so this is his sister, right? Yeah, well, yeah, what you want really is for them to give each other a big hug and someone to look at them weird and them to go, it's my brother. That's... Yes, that's or mention, mention, uh, what are we doing for dad's birthday? That could, you oh, know, very that's good. a very easy sort of, you know, but no, not, don't say, don't call your sister sis. It's There's not a, a thing. There's a terrible conceit in romance <laughs> novels where women, where the, the heroine will look at herself in a mirror critically <laughs> and like assess all of her alleged flaws and just describe how beautiful she is for about three paragraphs so yeah. that you know that's a bit exhausting mm. <laughs> like, mm. so where can people find you online oh oh gosh i mean i have a website which is edburn.com burn with yeah, a y with a y yeah and i'm i'm on and I, you know i have a facebook but i don't do that i don't and it's done in the third person oh you know yeah, what I someone mean? else does it for you it's yeah. a, an official page exactly so people I, people don't People still try and contact me that way, but I, I, they shouldn't. <laughs> See, I, I have one, but I pretend it's a third-person one. Right. Insofar as, like, occasionally you get creepy messages. And then this is a tip from so my friend Laura Davis, actually. Distance, right. Look, she does it where she's like, I'm afraid this page is managed by, uh, you know, Dave. And mm -hmm. so then you can tell, you basically s tell them to rack off. Otherwise, they get annoyed if you tell them personally to rack off. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, but I'm on I'm on Twitter as myself. I okay. do that. And you you engage with people. Yeah, yeah. For real. Yeah, yeah. Not as much as I used to, but yes. Is there any reason why you used to more or used to less? Do you feel like you're you're letting down the fans or something? No, I don't. I just I th well, I feel like people in general aren't on Twitter as much as they used to be. Anyway, uh, I just I don't know. I think it's one of those things where if you say something that's not particularly interesting. Then it just sort of goes. If you say something that can be taken out of context, then it can be really pounced upon. Mm. So I do kind of, I am more aware of the uh, the pylon thing. So I'm less likely to. 
I think people have a tendency sometimes on Twitter when it started out, certainly I had the feeling of, well, the only people who are following me are people who are going to like me anyway. The only people who are reading these are people who are, you know, in my cool book. Yeah. You know, you assume that people following you on Twitter are people who are like you, people who've watched what you do and, you Yeah, know, because otherwise why would they yeah. bother? And a lot of time they're not. They're just people casual observers. Oh, he's a comedian. I'll follow him in case he says something funny. And then you say something like, oh, God, I can't believe such and such won the election. And they jump on you like, oh, I can't believe you're another one of these fucking lefty lovies. And it's like, Jesus, you know, so I just can't be bothered. I also, and I used to engage on a very occasionally someone will get my dandruff and I have to walk away. But I read an article, I'm, I don't know if you've come across it, where they, uh, where it was proven uh, psychologically that if you argue with somebody and you, and you produce a fact that counteract an actual fact, a verifiable fact that counteracts somebody's belief, they will hold on to that belief more strongly than they did before. Yeah, yeah, and right. and that's true even if they're doing their own research, if they mm. have a, a yes. gut feeling already. If they yes, if they read an article and something like that, and there's a fact in there that contradicts their belief, if they're then questioned about their belief, they will they will they will say that they believe it more strongly than they did before they read this fact. Yeah, yeah the only way really, I think. From the data, the only way to really make somebody unpack their own idea is to make them literally unpack it. So, so why do you believe mm. that? Why do you believe that? And then you can kind of get yep. them to dismantle their tower. Mm. And I don't have time to do it's that. It's terrifying. It's terrifying yeah. that we live in a world where that's... But you watch arguments unfold and you just go, has anyone, has anyone since the website started, has anyone switched from being a liberal to a conservative because of something they read on Twitter? Has anybody moved from a socialist to a capitalist standpoint because of something they read on fucking Facebook or Twitter. No. And yet people continue to have these raging arguments where they're calling each other idiots. And, I d and occasionally I do get involved. Occas sometimes I do genuinely think that people are just either not understanding or, or are willfully misunderstanding. The one that always gets me is if somebody, if somebody, who, make, somebody who makes a living, say as a writer or a comedian, makes a socialist point they're always like, yeah, well, where does your money come from? You know, it's, it's, we're no one's proposing communism. Yeah. Under the concept of democratic socialism, the rules of the free market still apply. Yeah. Supply and demand is still a thing, and people are still paid for their labor. Yeah. The only thing we're suggesting is that we pay more tax, and that tax goes to help. That is what democratic socialism is. It's just moving the slider to the left a bit. And people's refusal to acknowledge that and just and just think that there is only either unfettered capitalism or total totalitarian communism. Yeah. Is just, that to me that's the one that gets me. And I do find myself arguing with people when they say something like, Well, where do you where, where how are you gonna make your money? You know, like I I'll I'll still get paid and I'll pay my tax but uh, but at a higher rate. That yeah. that's what you're that don't you understand? That, that thing of willfully misunderstanding the concept. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a, like a, an angle on that that gets me often, which is the the um, the problematic the use of problematic to render somebody's argument or position completely redundant. So somebody goes, "Oh, I really like what she does. She's a feminist," mm -hmm. and someone else goes, mm, "She's a bit problematic because she said." Right, this yeah. five years because ago or transphobic. ten years ago. Yeah. yeah, she said something yeah. or she changed her opinion or she was un uncouth or yeah. improper in some ways. She wasn't perfect. And so everything that she has and, and it's part of the, the, the dismissal of, of experts as well. The idea that you can learn something that isn't 
from yourself. You can mm-hmm. learn it from books and you can have a structured opinion and it actually doesn't matter who you are, your opinion still stands and is valid. Like people don't really seem to have that idea anymore. It's like, you, you know, you can have opinions about democratic socialism yeah. and then people go, you're a communist, you're a blah, you know, it's, yeah. it has to come from your identity somehow rather than from reason and sanity. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and that's again. I think that's another thing to do with social media is everybody thinks that their opinion is as valid as everybody else's, and it's not. It's not. It's as simple as that. You know, if you're a Madonna fan, your opinion of Madonna is more valid than mine because you probably know more about her than I do because you've listened to more of her record. Now, my opinion that I don't like her music is still valid. Yes. But you will still know more about her than I would. But a nuclear physicist's opinion on nuclear power is more valid and worth more yes. than than somebody who's not. It and that's and people are so intellectually offended by that idea. People are so outraged by the implication that somebody else knows more about a subject than they do or that their opinion is somehow less valid. Well, than here is else. here is a difficult idea and I I think it's sort of an unpleasant one as well, but some people are better than other people. <laughs> I I could I understand. Well, I it's think the concept of better yeah, is is on, subjective. You could say you could yeah, because you could say you can say a clever evil person is not necessarily better than a dumb nice person. You it's know what I mean? Depending on the vector that's relevant at the time. For right. example, knowing about nuclear physics. Yeah. Like you're a more valuable human being in this context than I am. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a physicist. Yeah, it's a it's a really weird I remember watching Jerry Springer one time and there was there was a guy on, he was a professor of sociology or something like that. And he was obviously on as a sort of stick in his ass white guy. <laughs> and there was a a, a a young prostitute was on with her pimp and he was trying to say that she shouldn't do this. And every time and she would, she would hit him with a, "You think you're better than me? You ain't better than me." And the audience would cheer. The audience was whooping and cheering because, yeah, you're right. Don't let him tell you that he's better than you just because he's a professor and you're a prostitute. Yay! And they cheer for saying you're not better than me. And then in the next ten minutes, she'd say, "You know, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to. I'm. I'm. I'm in nursing college. I'm going to be a nurse." And everybody cheered. I go, "No, no, hang on." Why are you cheering the fact that she's going to be a nurse? You're cheering that she because you know that being a nurse is better than being a prostitute. So why is that okay? But then you're also cheering because she says that being a professor is not better than being a prostitute. You know what I mean? And you're watching the same people cheering it. And maybe they just like her more than they like him. But you you yourself have agreed then to cheer nurse over prostitutes. (laughs) You must then also surely cheer your professor over prostitutes. I wonder if it was just the way that she said it, like, uh, like if the aim the of clap self-improvement, trap. like yeah. if she was a nurse being like, one day I'll become a sex worker, would they have cheered in the same way? No, see, I don't think they would. I think people understand, people people recognise the concept of self-improvement and that going from prostitute to nurse is a, is going in the right direction. But because a guy is a professor and is telling her, oh, you should get off, you shouldn't be a prostitute, she said, well, you're not, you're just, you're not better than me. But he's a professor. <laughs> he has a better job. He than has you. a better job than you. But it, the fact, as I say, the fact that people can cheer you for saying that you're planning on getting a better job means they agree with me that being a professor, surely. 
there is, is a hierarchy yeah. of jobs. There's a hierarchy of jobs, and, th- and that aspiration is not necessarily a bad thing. And that, yeah, as a nurse, you don't get to go to a doctor, so you think you're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> you just quietly go behind his back and give him and the go, yeah, I don't think we should do that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, much. I do. I get I, That's one of those things that winds me up. I feel we keep coming to a close, but then I get more. I get wound no, up again. I'm, uh, like the more I get, the better. I'm yeah, very I had pleased a, to have you on the podcast. Yeah, the, the, the one that always bothers me is is when people are really anti-science, and I get very annoyed by it. And I think the reason I get very anno- the problem is that stupid people think that clever people are stupid. Yes, and that's you th- can't th- think your way out of your own box. You yeah. can't think bigger than your own brain. Really, you mm. can't conceive of someone who can think of more stuff than you can. It's really hard to have that idea. Well, it's just I've always thought it from a, from. A, I remember as a kid, and I think this is where my deep rooted hatred of this comes from. Is that as a kid, if you used a big word, and that other kids didn't understand, then they hated you. Oh, you swallow a dictionary. The one that bad thing. review on this podcast is that I use too many big words. So and you, it's you know, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that anti-intellectual idea is is annoying. And I remember it as a kid, and I remember thinking, well, when I'm a grown up, surely that shit will stop. Yeah. And then you become a grown up, and you realize. It, it, it doesn't. And I, I'm not looking to shame people for not being clever. But the idea of people shaming clever people for me, saying, if, oh, if, you, you're, if you're a scientist, then you're clever. an idiot. Yes. I'm clever because I don't believe what clever people tell me. That idea is, you know, annoys me. And I, there, I have a couple of friends who I get into rows with over this sort, sort of thing. And it annoys because I... I, I, people could, uh, the classic one is, well, it's arrogant. It's arrogant for scientists to say something. It's arrogant for people to speak in absolutes. I go, no, I am humble enough to accept that there are people cleverer than me and that know more than me. And if they tell me something is the f- true, then I accept it because I'm not clever enough See, to, to, to know that they're, they're wrong. I think that, I think that it's worth questioning, it, like science. I think it's worth questioning the, the findings that are coming down to us as they come down to us, particularly when they're fresh and it's new. Wor- well, it's worth questioning how science is represented in the media. It's yes. worth questioning if you see a newspaper headline that says, uh, you know, eating newspaper cures cancer. Yes. It, 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 it's worth questioning that. You know, because a lot of time when you do look deeper, it isn't. It's something that they've completely extrapolated from a tiny thing that's been done at a molecular level or in rats or whatever like that. And really it's... It's very hard to replicate in all of that. Yeah. But, but you know, and, and but science has got things wrong. You know, th- thalidomide kids and so on and so yeah, forth. Science didn't get that wrong. Here's what happened there. That was a chemical... That was a company hid yes. da- data. That was big business exploiting and thinking they can get away with a lie. It wasn't a case of... They did not cor- correctly... Um, test the drug yes. is what happened there. It was not a case of all of science. There was no scientific c- consensus that the, that the, that that drug was safe. Yes. To, to, to say science and to think that an example yes. of a company doing something as reprehensible as that it's the same, it's, it's the same as sorry. It's the same as, as cigarettes. Yeah. Science didn't that get cigarettes wrong. That was t- the tobacco company. Hid that the fact. was badly phrased, but I mean, in terms of uh, you know, your representative of science in the room, and in when you're going into the hospital and the doctor goes, "Take this pill," and you go, "Okay," mm-hmm. like that—that's your kind of—that's the face of science to you as a as a lay person. So I think it's worth sort of questioning, doing your own research, you know, asking around. You know, n equals one. Sometimes something might work for most people; it doesn't work for you. I think all of those things are are valid uh, things to have in your pocket when you're dealing with science, but I don't think that you should question the validity of the method. Well, my, my point is more just that when I, w- I, I dropped out of college because it was too hard. 
uh-huh. right? I wanted I I couldn't be a scientist because it took too much work and I wasn't willing to put that in. And you need to be clever, and that's and I consider I have respect for people who did put in the work and were able to do it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you know to become a doctor, you need to spend a lot of time training and you need to do a lot of work and you need to be really clever to become one. And then you get somebody who goes on a fucking yoga retreat for three days and goes, well, actually, I know more than they do. That's what annoys me. You know, that, yeah. that, that, that kind of attitude. I, I, I appreciate the concept of, of treating things with a certain amount of cynicism. But people talk of things like the scientific paradigm, like science, scientific knowledge exists outside of knowledge. And what they are really referring to is, I question science I don't understand. Yes. Like if you say to the same person who doesn't believe that vaccines are, are work, you know, because science can be wrong. You know, you just go, well, you know, if I let go of this, what do you think is going to happen to it? It's going to fall to the floor. Okay, so we're accepting gravity then. Okay, if you touch this flame, you're going to burn. Okay, so we're, we're accepting therm- thermodynamics then. You know what I mean? And you just, so what you, you only then get to a point where it's, oh, right, so global warming. So uh, something that you don't understand, something that you can think that you can just contradict without having to think. That, that somehow exists in some bubble of science that is separate from other scientific knowledge. Yeah. You know, it's that teach the controversy thing that just gets me, you know. When, yeah, the, there is no meaningful controversy. There are, you know, as yeah. many people who disagree with the si- climate science as dis- disagree with sort of, well, I mean, many more people disagree with evolution than disagree with climate, climate science as a theory. I, 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 if that's, I'm not denying that. I wasn't aware that that was the yeah, case. In terms of people who are climate scientists who think that yeah. climate, si- climate is not changing I- due to man-made influence, there are many more scientists in the world who don't believe in, in evolution. Oh, I see. Sorry, in that way. Sorry, I thought you meant from a religious standpoint. Right, no, I got right, you. Right. right. So, so you say that evolution is, is a more of a controversial or there's less consensus on the, in on terms the concept of, the of evolution numbers, among yeah, people in that, that field. In terms of the numbers, yeah, but the way that it's presented to yeah, us in, right. in the popular media, you would laugh someone out of town if they said they didn't believe in evolution. Right. If... If but there's actually more scientific validity in questioning evolution than there is in questioning climate change. As right. far as it as far as it goes. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, th- th- what also gets me is when people there's less w- consensus w- about w- it. Anyway. Yeah, when people who are anti climate change, or you know, and, and use terms like warmest, uh, <laughs> when those warmest with an I with an I. Oh, yeah. Gross. Yeah, that uh, we you know people who believe in anthropomorphic climate change that we're we're warmest warmest alarmists uh <laughs> this, this i always just these are the same cynics who a lot of time maybe who might be anti-vax or anything like that and i was like well but just follow the money you know oh well there's a lot of money in uh a lot of money in you know in alternative energy that's the thing but nothing like it i always say people say that oh yeah well there's too much money in in the notion of of climate change for you know that you you to deny it and it's like Saudi Arabia is not the richest country on earth because of its huge resources of climate scientists. You know what I mean? That's, if you just follow the money, the status quo, there's too many people too invested in the status quo. And they have the cash to influence politicians. But not just to influence politicians, to influence the fabric of reality. Yeah, to influence public understanding. Yeah. It's so bad. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> we're all fucked. It's going to be great. Yeah. Welcome to f- 2017. Do you have any New Year's resolutions before I let you go? I am going to try and get fitter. That's about it. That's good. But 
that's about it. I'll talk to you again <laughs> this time next year and see how you've gone. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks for having me. <laughs>